Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Happy Friday, everyone. I hope everybody is enjoying the sunshine this week. It has been so nice to not have to go outside in 8,000 layers, and I am loving the later sunsets. So it is a great day to be happy and to listen to this podcast. So thank you very much. My friends at 1321 Co. are pumping out new merch every day, so we're really excited to get that posted. We're working on some new designs and creations, but everything looks awesome and we'll slowly start posting them. And if you're interested in purchasing any of it, please feel free to DM either 1321 Co. or The Revolutionized Mind. So the intro for this week is not going to be too long because I think we touch on everything that I want to talk about in the conversation with my guests. But just as a quick description of what we'll be talking about, we kind of dive into the connections and relationships between toxic masculinity, social justice, and mental health. And like I said before, as much as I want to normalize this conversation and increase awareness and education on the topic, I also want to get into these deep roots of these issues and figure out why so many of us struggle with our mental health. For me, it's not enough to say, oh, we're living in a mental health epidemic and these are ways you can take care of yourself when it happens. Why does it happen? And why is it so common? And I think we as people living in today's society play a huge role in making this positive change and helping the future generations by acknowledging the issues that are present today and using our voices to change that. And the whole idea behind the revolutionized mind and the intro that I use at the beginning of every episode, reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life, are all things to do with this positive change that I so desperately want to help create. There are so many issues in our society that we have the power to change if we just open up our minds, change our perspectives, and take a stand for what we believe in. Not trying to get all inspirational here, but these are just a lot of my research interests as a psychology student and as a person just wondering why this is happening. So with that being said, today's episode is very, very interesting. I think it was a fantastic conversation and really opened up my mind to some things that I have not directly experienced, but I'm sure a lot of people will be able to resonate with. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and can hopefully learn lots. Okay, so I'm here today with Owen, and I'm really excited for today's conversation. So before we begin, do you want to just introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. Um, Well, first, thanks for having me on this. I really appreciate it. It's, you know, such an awesome podcast, so I'm really grateful to be on it. So my name's Owen Evans. I was uh, at Western University with Angelica. I was on the, the men's soccer team while she was on the women's, so we know each other pretty well. Yeah, soccer is sort of my biggest hobby basically it's been my life you know since I was a little kid I've had to give it up now that school's over a bit but it's okay moving on to other things career-wise well since I've left uh, Western I now go to Humber College for addictions and mental health so you know perfect program for this kind of podcast and the program's amazing I'm loving it and then hopefully it'll help me transition into a career I think as a trauma counselor is what I want to be I'm not sure exactly yet 
you know, and I'll probably still have to do like a, a master's in social work and stuff like that if I really want to rise up in the field. But yeah, that's that's basically me, hopefully a future trauma counselor, but we'll see. So <laughs> That's awesome. Good for you. I'm happy you're still studying something that you're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. So Owen offered to be a guest on my podcast to talk about his experiences with anxiety, but I asked him if he would be willing to delve into a different societal issue with me. But before we get into all that, do you want to just start off by sharing a bit about your mental health history or particularly anxiety with us? Yeah, for sure. So when I was about seven years old, I think I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, And then I was diagnosed with that again in my fourth year of university. And for anyone that doesn't know, GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, it's different for a lot of people. But for me, it's basically just sort of a constant stream of what ifs in your head. So, you know, you're constantly thinking, well, what if this goes wrong? What if this goes wrong? What if this happens? Which can be really exhausting, you know, directly. It can be very draining on your mental health and even your physical health as well. But more indirectly, it also makes it very difficult to be fully focused on the present because you're constantly in a state of worrying about the past or the future. So that can be pretty unpleasant as well. But over the last couple of years, I've learned how to cope with it really well, I think, through a combination of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and medication. So if anyone doesn't know what CBT is, it's basically a type of therapy where you're trained to analyze your thoughts and respond to them differently, basically, which sounds simple, but it can be a bit tough. It takes a lot of practice. So an analogy I like to use is when I say it's like a a constant stream of what ifs. You know, if you picture it as an actual stream or a river, sometimes it feels like, you know, you're swimming in the river and you're being pulled by the current and drowning in all these what ifs or whatever and, and these thoughts. And what CBT does is that it sort of helps you pull yourself out of the river a little bit. And it doesn't get rid of the stream of thoughts, but it makes you, you know, rather than drowning in all these thoughts, it it allows you to sort of rise above them a bit and look at them more objectively and analyze them. And when you do that more often than not, you find that either the, the thoughts are related to something that's fixable or the situation isn't actually dangerous, you're actually safe, that kind of thing. So it's just kind of closing the, the door to all these intense emotions and allowing yourself to think logically a bit more about your feelings and thoughts, and it, it can be very effective. So in addition to CBT, what medication I find is good for is that sometimes in order to access the skills that you have and that you need to be able to do CBT effectively. Some people like myself need a little push in the right direction. And that's what I find the medication does. The, the one that I'm on specifically is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, which basically makes your serotonin, the happy, the everything's good chemical stay in your brain a bit longer. So what I found was that, you know, before I was on the medication, if something bad happened, you could almost literally feel all your serotonin being like sucked up. And when you're on the medication, it kind of prevents that serotonin from being sucked up so immediately. So it gives you, you know, an extra split second to be like, okay, before I freak out, does the situation actually warrant it? And you can analyze your thoughts a bit more. So that's how medication and CBT combined have helped me. Yeah, so just a few things I want to pull out of that one. I think it's a really cool visual that you gave with the river. I think a lot of people are visual learners. So to actually picture that really helps people, especially if they're not struggling with mental illness, just to give them an Mm -hmm. example of what that feels like. And seven years old, that is so young. How was that you who noticed it? Or was it a family member? How did you go about that? I think it was a bit of both. I mean, you know, I've always been a very, you know, emotionally aware kid. 
I was always a very serious child as well. So if there was a problem, I was always very aware of it. So that can be annoying, but it also means that when a problem arises, you can sort of spring into action and fix it. So it can be a blessing too. But then I was also lucky enough to have parents that my mom was actually a trauma counselor. So she knows all this stuff. And then they were both generally quite supportive of emotions and stuff like that. So they, they saw a problem and they also pushed for it. So it was, it was, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. It was a bit of both. Yeah, that's really unfortunate that you did have to go through that at such a young age, but obviously lucky that you had a great support system and you were able to go get the help that you needed. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I really like how you explained the combination between CBT and medication, because I think it's something that a lot of people don't really get. Mm-hmm. And I'm not someone who likes to fully rely on medication, even though I am. I have been on medication for several years, but for me, mine is more of like a mood stabilizer. So it helps me balance my thoughts and calm my anxiety down. But it's exactly the it, same. It's not a yeah, it's not a cure. And mm-hmm. that CBT and those therapy solutions are what I need to combine with the medication in order to actually control my thoughts and put myself on the right path. So that was, that was a, if I can just jump in, that yeah. was a great point you just made about the fact that medication isn't a cure. Because I mean, that, that really describes it well, like my medication, it wasn't a cure for the anxiety or, or the thoughts and stuff. It basically was just a little tool to help me access the cure or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I'd say, if you know, if there was a cure it would be CBT or something like that, being able to reanalyze and react in different ways to your thoughts. That would be more of a cure than the medication and the medication just makes it easier to practice that. So yeah, I think that's a really good point. Mm -hmm. And even with the whole stigma thing and people not believing that mental illness is real, medication just, I guess, makes it more valid to say that these things actually do impact biological things in our brain and they are actually helping. Then again, with a grain of salt, because I think you do need to mix it with some type of therapy or some type of controlling mechanisms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So transitioning into our topic for this episode, have you always been comfortable openly discussing your mental health struggles? I'd say probably more than a lot of guys, but that's, you know, just because I was, I was lucky enough to be raised by emotionally supportive parents. I also uh, today have a great support system. Any struggles I've had recently, my girlfriend's been amazing. Um, I've been lucky enough to have really great roommates as well. So, you know, that being said, it's obviously still tough as a guy primarily to talk openly about this stuff because of toxic masculinity and, you know, the stigma around mental health and stuff like that which some people hear the term toxic masculinity and they think of it as just, you know, like a buzzword to sort of gain academic points kind of, but like it's so real and it really does make it harder to talk about things. So, And the idea of toxic masculinity is just so bizarre to me. Like, I don't get why it's a thing or why. (laughs) Trust me, neither do I. (laughs) Um, So yeah, why do you think it is so hard for young boys or men and specifically athletes in your case? to be vulnerable and speak up about not only their mental health struggles, but also about what they believe in. So, well, for guys in general, um, you know, like I said, it is just toxic masculinity. And I I think it has a much bigger impact than people think, because, you know, I don't think many guys really realize how much happier they could be if they just embrace their emotions and in general, the idea of caring about things as well. Because I think a lot of the uh, apprehension that guys have about specifically about speaking up on their their beliefs um, is sort of the idea that it portrays you as caring deeply about something. And I think a lot of guys think of the idea of caring about anything as a, as a female thing. So they find it unrelatable. And, and a lot of times if people find things unrelatable, they find it wrong. So 
that's how I think toxic masculinity affects their their likelihood to speak out because it you know the idea of caring about things they see it as a female thing which is just obviously wrong and then athletes in particular as well I know from experience have a tough time speaking out about it I think the the main reason for that is that being a top athlete is is often associated with being emotionless because you know if you're nervous you're not going to be as strong a performer and so you feel like oh if coach knows that I have anxiety then they're not going to play me and then I found that this kind of created a situation where I'd sort of start getting mad at my anxiety when it arised because I'd be like no damn I want to play right now and now I'm feeling anxious and now I'm going to play badly because of the anxiety and then it creates a bit of a snowball where you start feeling sort of anxious about your anxiety if that makes sense sort of comes down to aspects of toxic masculinity because it's it's about embracing your emotions rather than trying to suppress them when i try and fight my feelings of anxiety it just makes me more anxious and i find that's the case with a lot of emotions so and yeah performance anxiety particularly in sport is a whole nother topic and can be (laughs) delved into further but in terms of men actually being terrified to show that they do have feelings that just doesn't make sense to me because especially as like a heterosexual male who is looking for a female partner I mean I'm generalizing a bit here but we like when people care about and show their feelings so I don't know where that started from or why it's so prevalent and so hopefully this conversation and ones further can help to diminish that yeah no exactly that's that's a good point because you know I think a lot of guys are hesitant to show their emotions and their you know feminine side per se um, because they think girls are only going to go for you know really manly men and it's like well have you ever actually listened to girls it's like (laughs) kind of sounds like that's not what they want so yeah for sure yeah especially like social media like TikTok and Instagram, like you constantly see these things about women posting about they want men who care, but they still mm-hmm. think that they need to just stand up and be this tough macho guy. But yeah, that's really that not makes, the case. Makes no sense to me. Yeah. So with you particularly as a general human being living in today's <laughs> society, what would you say are some of your core beliefs or values regarding the human experience? Um, I love that question. <laughs> um, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I mean, I, I do think love has to be like the center of everything you do mm-hmm. and what i call well not what i call because it's been termed by someone else but um an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset having an abundance mindset is basically just having the belief that i have more than enough i have what i need and what comes with that is just a general feeling of gratefulness that brings me a lot of happiness but what it also does is it makes me care a lot about marginalized folks, you know, communities that are struggling more than I am because I'm a straight white male. I'm as privileged as it gets. So basically, it's it's the mindset that I have more than enough. And now I want others to have that, too. Yeah, I love that. And even though we are both privileged, we're both white people yeah. living in a great country, the things that we go through are still valid. And it still makes sense to talk about this. But I love how you and I are both able to use those experiences to hopefully help others and be vulnerable with our own experiences and what we want to see in society and speak up about that. Absolutely. Yeah. So since I do follow you on social media, I see that you do actively support these beliefs and values by posting about them regularly. But I have also seen some of the horrible things that people have said to you about your activism. So can you just give our listeners a quick description of the type of content that you post just so we're all on the same page here? Yeah, for sure. So 2016 Trump supporter kids would probably call me a social justice warrior. (laughs) 
So that's basically the kind of stuff that I post. I mean, you know, I post a lot of things that I find important um, regarding information about racial inequality, gender inequality. I post a lot of politics as well, because, you know, I find that that's a lot of that stuff in action. And the reason why I post a lot about this stuff is because it stems from my passion about mental health and addiction and trauma and stuff like that. Because especially once you start to get educated on sociology and stuff like that in history, you realize that you really can't separate mental health and addiction issues from social justice because mental health issues and mental illness and addiction and stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Most often you see it can be, you know, traced back to some form of trauma, whether it's experienced directly by the individual or through intergenerational trauma. And so when you realize, you know, you see the butterfly effect of these traumas and how they're started by societal features like racism and how it's institutionalized and stuff like that, it becomes impossible. You know, you, you start saying, okay, I want to care about mental health. And then you realize, well, I can't do that without caring about social justice, because you identify a problem, you get to the solution. And then if you didn't want to talk about social justice, then you wouldn't be able to go any further. Yeah, and they're so interconnected. And as much as this is a podcast about mental health, education and awareness, I do acknowledge that these issues do stem from systemic and systematic issues that have been going on for years and years. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into the why. Why do so many people struggle with their mental health? Why are we the way that we are? And why are there so many issues like toxic masculinity in our society? And how can we break that down? So, I mean, I love what you post. It's always very educational. I always click on everything and I always learn something. <laughs> Appreciate it. And just last night you posted about the period products in New Zealand, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go Jacinda, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the responses that you have gotten about what you post, though? Well, I, I mean, the you know overwhelming majority is positive. And I, I do want to make it clear that I don't post this stuff for clout yeah. or for you know <laughs> praise or anything. Primarily, I post it because I think it's good for people to learn about this stuff. And, you know, I don't think you should have to choose a specific degree in order to learn about this stuff because it sort of creates barriers to this knowledge. So, yeah, the primary responses I get are good. But then I get a few guys that like, oh, you're not a real man or something like that. All of the negative responses I get, I find, have like a gender theme to them, as if posting about these issues isn't a manly thing to do, which I always find really interesting. You know, if we're talking about negative responses, it's always like, you know, you're not a real man, um, a lot of homophobic slurs and stuff like that. Which is completely fucked up, like in my <laughs> opinion. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know how racial, social, cultural, every kind of issue became gendered or sexualized in some way or another. Like, if mm -hmm. you're a human, you're living in society and you want to care about others. So exactly. I'm not sure why that has ever been a thing and why it is still a thing, especially in today's society. Mm -hmm. But yeah, who are these responses normally coming from? Like they're guys you said, but what age group? Yeah, well, it's it's mostly, I mean, it is, it's all, all yeah. the negative responses I've got have been guys, but it's mostly younger guys than me. And I find that makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, I remember when I was in, I think, second year when I was a bit younger, that that's kind of an age where a lot of guys pick an ideology, I find, sort of. And I think when that happens, a lot of guys choose to side against the social justice warriors or whatever, because they see them as, you know, caring too deeply about things and in a way that to them comes across as hysterical, usually through video editing and stuff like that. But yeah, so they, you know, they see 
these guys have sort of created a connection between social justice and femininity. And because they're so against femininity, then they're also so against social justice. Yeah. And it's like, well, how did that connection ever, you know, happen? And that's why I post a lot about it is because I've noticed this connection where it's weird to me that social justice and social issues are, you know, associated with femininity because it doesn't just affect women. Toxic masculinity is a huge example about how these things affect men negatively. So I wanted people to see, you know, a straight white guy caring about social justice because I think having femininity and social justice so connected creates such a pointless barrier. Guys, no matter what their gender ideology, should be hoping to progress society. So the fact that they don't because they think it's feminine makes no sense to me. So that's why I post a lot about it. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. I yeah, for sure. Tangent yeah, there. no, all good. <laughs> and it is people like you who are going to allow change to happen and to change these perspectives that are so ingrained in like the deepest parts of our society. Yeah. And whether these males who are not willing to say anything see an issue and they just don't want to say it or whether they just think everything's fine. I don't know. I can't speak from experience, <laughs> but yeah. Clearly, there are several things in our society that do need to be addressed and acknowledged in a progressive way so that we can actually move forward with it and hopefully change things for future generations. Absolutely. Sorry, just to touch on that a bit more. When you said um, that people like me and you are going to be really responsible for progressing society in this way, I think that's so true. Because if you think of a system that basically serves to oppress certain people, the system's been able to hold out for a while because of the people enabling the system. But if the people that the system is benefiting start fighting against the system, then the system's going to have no one left on its side. And as much as this has been prevalent for several years, I think in the last year, it has really come to the forefront of everybody's minds with all the horrible situations going on with Black Lives Matter and Indigenous Mm -hmm. situations in Canada specifically. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, just, and I mean, social media is so prominent in everybody's lives today. So for Mm -hmm. everybody to start posting about it and increasing awareness on that stuff, I think really did make a big difference. And although there is such a huge way to go, I think we have come a long way in the last year and hopefully making steps towards making Mm -hmm. those changes. Yeah. So yeah, when you get these negative responses, what are your responses back to them, whether directly or indirectly? Well, I I mean, I ignore them. I don't message them back because what's the point? You know, they want attention, but I find them amusing and funny. But I shouldn't say amusing and funny because I mean, the reason why they don't get to me is because, you know, I know that these responses are a reflection of their inner selves and not my inner self. So what it comes down to is them not liking the fact that I care deeply about something or some people Mm -hmm. um, because they feel like caring shouldn't be a straight white male thing. And so if they have those beliefs, that's because of a horribly toxically masculine environment that they've grown up in. And they're obviously not very in touch with their emotions and stuff like that if they can't handle the thought of caring about things. So that's actually a bit sad. So I shouldn't say I find it funny. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it doesn't get to me because, you know, I know that it's a them problem, not a me problem, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it does ever start to get to me for whatever reason, then I just think of it the same way I analyze any anxious thoughts that I get, you know, that I was talking about before is that if someone responds negatively to something I post, and then if that starts to make me feel anxious, then I think, okay, well, let's analyze that. What is the criticism about? It's about this post. Okay. Do I agree with what I'm posting? Do I believe in what I'm saying? And the answer is always yes, because if I didn't, then I wouldn't post it. 
So then it's like, well, screw that person then. I believe in what I'm saying. So there you go. And it's, it's just another example of how powerful it can be to just analyze any anxious thoughts and sort of get to the root of them. Because one, I find in general, thoughts and emotions are less scary when you know why they're happening. And if you can analyze them and sort of find the root of them, and more often than not, you realize that the root of them isn't really anxiety worthy. And then you try and let the thought go and then move on with your life. And it can be very effective once you get good practice at it. Mm -hmm. That's a really great connection back to mental health, because obviously you're putting yourself out there and being vulnerable about your own beliefs and values. And I guess not expecting this backlash, but often receiving it for what Mm -hmm. you're posting. So it will inevitably have a huge impact on your mental health. But that's awesome that you do have those perspectives and are able to deal with them in a good way (laughs) and not let them affect you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something controversial too about what you said, and I think was a huge topic with the Black Lives Matter movement was how you don't respond to these people. Mm. Which I want to talk about because a lot of people, especially over the last year, have said that like if you're not directly fighting for this stuff or not responding to people, then you're not educating, you're not putting people in their place. And that's something that I think really has to be taken with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. there can be positive and negative associations with doing this. And I think in terms of protecting you and your own mental health, it's better that you don't respond because you mm-hmm. don't want to entertain it and you you know what you believe in, you're doing all you can, you're posting about it, you're standing for what you believe in and you don't necessarily need to entertain these people and their negative responses. Yeah. But then from another standpoint, somebody might say like, well, you're not really educating if somebody's giving you this type of response and you're not mm-hmm. saying anything about that. So do you have any comments on that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I do agree to a certain extent that you know, it, it, it is kind of pointless if anytime someone challenges you, you just ignore them because then you're not going to help them them grow at all. Um, so it, it's kind of a fine line to balance because you do have to look after yourself mm-hmm. as well, but you also want to actually be making a difference. So the way I try and balance the line is, you know, I don't block any of these people. Yeah. I keep posting, you know, I don't unfollow them. And if anyone responds to anything of mine, with actual questions about the content of the post rather than just attacking my character then then i'll definitely respond Mm -hmm. but when people go for your character rather than the content of the post they're not really interested in being convinced by any content or information they're just sort of in it for the the argument and and you know sort of the culture war if anything so you definitely have to pick and choose your battles because i totally Mm -hmm. see the argument of you do need to try and convince people, especially, I mean, that's why I try and post so much because of my mm-hmm. privilege. You know, if, if someone criticizes me, it's not actually a, you know, a threat to my safety as it mm-hmm. would be if I was a black person getting criticized, you know, in racist ways. So I'm aware of my privilege in that regard and how I kind of need to rise above it a little bit and try and educate where I can. But it's like the uh, common thing regarding mental health where you have to look out for yourself sometimes and you have to set boundaries and know when to take a break and when to step back a bit. So it's it's a tough line to tread, but I try to tread it appropriately. Yeah. And I think picking and choosing your battles is like the most important thing you said out of that, because you know that you're doing everything you can to educate yourself and educate others. And if people are going to come at you and not even what you're saying, like your character, like you said, then it's really not worth your time or your energy because that obviously will have a big impact on your mental health, whether Mm -hmm. you're going to fully acknowledge that or not, you're still reading this and it's still going to have a negative impact on your own emotions, even if it doesn't really affect you in a negative way, but it still is there for sure. 
Well, yeah, I mean, regarding how, how it impacts my mental health, I mean, what it has done is it's made me more aware of how my brain reacts to criticism, which is cool. You know, it's like, yeah. if anything, it's helped my mental health because it's made me learn more about my brain and, you know, how it reacts to this stuff, which, you know, helps me get better at reacting to criticism in the future and in other situations. But then it also showed me how social media can affect your mental health, because even regardless of the, the content on, on social media, I find, you know, if there's days where I spend a lot of time on my phone, the constant stream of thoughts and, and not necessarily what ifs, but it almost like literally feels like it gets faster after spending a lot of time on like Twitter and stuff like that. And that can be really exhausting. And if you're, you tend to think a lot of anxious thoughts, then that can be horrible because if your brain's speeding up and you've got this huge stream of thoughts and they're anxious thoughts, then that's obviously not going to be fun. So it's also helped me realize how just being on your phone a lot can make you less in the present, more in your head, and it can be a bit unpleasant, which has been a good learning experience because, you know, now I know at times I, you know, need to set the phone down and go for a walk and stuff like that. So, so yeah, honestly, the guys responding to me, you've helped me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And like our brains are not really wired to be constantly connected to mm-hmm. the world, everything at our fingertips and constantly absorbing information, seeing what people are up to, seeing, I guess, racial, cultural, mm-hmm. social posts as well. Like we aren't really used to having all this commotion in front of us at all seconds of the day. Yeah. So I think, well, I mean, that's a whole other issue, like social media and screen time. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, what you said is completely true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, sorry, the most important okay. thing of that is, is because it takes you out of the present. And, yeah. you know, being in the present is, is sort of a key of a lot of mental health techniques like mindfulness and meditation and stuff like that. Because when you're in the present and you're really focused on it, most of the time you're safe. And that kind of gets to the core of what anxiety is, is it's a feeling of not being safe. It's your fight or flight system. So, you know, when you're able to focus on the present and realize that in the present right now, I'm safe, then that really has a powerful effect on your your anxiety. So that I think that's why social media use can perpetuate and exacerbate mental health problems is because, you know, more than anything, I'd say it takes you right out of the present and right into your head. So, yeah, I totally agree. And again, connecting that back to mental health, it's at the core of absolutely everything and we can go in every direction. So I really appreciate you making those analogies. (laughs) But yeah, back to those responses. How have they changed your views or perspectives on yourself, life and other people? Yeah. So I I mean, they've strengthened my conviction and my beliefs. Because like I, I was saying, as you would with anxious thoughts and stuff, you know, when people criticize me, I, I analyze the things that are being criticized. And then also the fact that I'm getting criticism for saying these things, you know, reminds me just how important it is for society to change because, you know, these type of ideas shouldn't be, I, well, I'm not saying I, you know, shouldn't ever be criticized, but, you know, ideas about racism and, you know, how it, systemic racism exists and how male privilege exists, those things shouldn't be met with criticism, at least not until they're fixed. So the fact that they are met with criticism really shows me how far society has to go. And the fact that society still has to go really far makes obviously makes me more passionate about changing society. So yeah, it's, it's, it's if anything, strengthened my beliefs for sure. Yeah. And I was honestly a little bit worried about recording this episode being two (laughs) white individuals. Um, I didn't want to like say anything that we maybe don't understand firsthand. I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that, that we are coming from this perspective and not directly experiencing it. But absolutely conversation is like a really great start. 
and mm -hmm. hopefully we'll continue to make changes and change people's perspectives on these yeah. issues and we, hopefully we can start to address them. Well, and that goes back to my my earlier point about how how important white people are or or the people that benefit from the system mm -hmm. are in dismantling the system because you know obviously regards to racism and stuff black people and indigenous people know more than anyone um and so you know their voices are the first voices that should be heard but that doesn't mean that white people should just sit back because then it'll be very tough for change to happen so yeah mm -hmm. i agree yeah, and for sure, and, and like in future episodes, I'm definitely going to try to get people <laughs> from these uh, different races and cultures speaking mm -hmm. about their own direct experience, because I think it's really important to hear their side idea. of things and mm -hmm. see how we as white privileged individuals can actually help to make those changes in society and regarding mental health in general. Definitely. Um, so yeah, wrapping up, I'm going <laughs> to ask you to give two pieces of advice because I think you have a lot of great perspectives to share. Appreciate but it. The first one being, what would you say to any young boys or male athletes or honestly anyone in general who is afraid to use their voice because of what others might think of them? Um, well, I'd say just try to be your most authentic self because, um, you know, not to get too existential, but I generally feel like that is our purpose in life is to just be as authentically us as we can and so if you're like i was saying if you're unsure about an idea or cause that you're passionate about just you know ask yourself do i truly believe in this and if the answer is yes then preach it as you know providing that these ideas come from a place of love rather than you know competition and stuff like that so yeah i'd say just try and be your most authentic self it sounds a little cliche but that really is it over the last few years, I think that's where most of my growth has come is it, I started being more and more who I think I am and rather than who other people think I should be. Mm -hmm. And especially like in today's society, we have never had more access to resources and research that's out there. So exactly. we do have the ability to, even if we're questioning whether we actually believe in something or whether mm -hmm. we should be preaching about it, like go take time, do your research. Because as much as you're educating yourself, your perspectives will just automatically change towards yourself and life and people mm -hmm. in general. So that's a great point about the research. Sorry to interrupt. Um, Cause it, yeah, I mean, it's my posts about social justice and stuff. Like I say, I primarily come from the fact that I'd done research and I, you know, was educated in, in that type of field. And once you, you know, have this knowledge of all these societal issues going on, and then you realize how, much they influence mental health and addiction rates you see the idea of black and indigenous people being overrepresented in you know mental health and addiction statistics that's obviously what that means is that there's obviously outside factors playing a part and so it feels a bit irresponsible to me to learn directly about all these outside factors know how they apply to real life situations and how they're influencing these problems and then to not do anything about it mm -hmm. it just seems a bit irresponsible so once you do the research it almost becomes hard not to talk about it yeah um yeah. so yeah with all the information out there it's definitely uh it's definitely something for people to start learning about i love that and so second piece would be what do you think are some of the things that we can do to change these norms moving forward Sure. So two things. One, in terms of toxic masculinity, literally just acknowledge that it's bad. Like it's such an easy first step, but because like, I feel like a, there, there are a lot of guys that are close to getting it because, you, you know, you often see guys, you know, on the sort of right wing 
typically more conservative guys, they talk a lot about the high suicide rates about men and the high mental health rates in men. And I'm like, okay, good. Yes, this is a good point. Now tell me why you think that's the case. And then it's, and then they go from there to these men's mental health rates are high. And that means male privilege doesn't exist. I'm like, no, right, right idea, wrong conclusion. You Break know? it down. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause, and I, I see a lot of these people, they say, you know, men's mental health is an issue. And then they go and bully the gay kid, um, you know, or they say men's mental health is an issue. And then they tell their kids, boys don't cry, you know? And so it's like, use your head, put two and two together. Yeah. Men's mental health is an issue. Toxic masculinity is the main cause of that issue. Let's yeah. deal with toxic masculinity. So, yeah. you know, if you just acknowledge that toxic masculinity is bad, then that sort of sets a, a good foundation to start making progress. And I think a lot of guys need to just acknowledge that. And, and it's an, an easy step. And then, so that's one point. And then lastly, I'd say to guys, you're never going to be happy if you repress your emotions, because guess what? Happiness is an emotion. So if you've been trained your whole life to ignore and repress any negative emotions that you get, then when something good happens, you're not going to fully be able to feel that positive emotion, that happiness either. So as I've learned a lot over the last couple of years, because I mean, not to brag, I'd say I'm you know happier than I've ever been. That's awesome. Really good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, really getting to know your emotions is essential if you're going to want to find happiness. Cause you know, when you're really in tune with your emotions and you start to understand them, then you're able to allow yourself to feel them more fully. And then when you experience happiness, you really feel that happiness. And I, it, you know, it's quite fun. So, um, to all the guys out there, yeah, don't repress your emotions, try and understand them and you'll be happier. It's that simple. Yeah, and I think that's awesome coming from you being like a top athlete, a white mm -hmm. heterosexual male. <laughs> You're educated on these topics as well of what you go to school for. So it's a credible source. You have direct experience. You've learned yeah. about it. So that's really awesome to share that knowledge and pass it on with men in particular in this episode uh, to mm -hmm. really open up and be vulnerable about what they believe in. Definitely. It's great to be able to share this kind of insight that I have through my experience because I, I think, you know, it's it's really important for guys to start to get in touch with their emotions and stuff like that. Cause I, you know, bottom line, I want these people to be happier and being more in, in tune with your emotions and understanding them and allowing yourself to feel them. It's essential to feeling happiness. So it's that simple basically. And I think it's, yeah. it's more important. And, and given the connections that these ideas have to social justice issues, I think it's more important than ever for guys to, you know, really start examining their thoughts and their emotions a bit more so we can start making progress in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think this was a really great conversation and we touched on a lot of interesting and very important topics. Definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I hope everybody listening can take a few things away. And I know you gave some great pieces of advice to anybody listening. So thank you very, very much for thank coming you. as a guest on my show and sharing your own beliefs and values. And for everything that you do in society in general, like all your posts are so educational and so progressive and I think they're great. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. It was, I mean, it was so much fun being on this. So thanks for having me. It's great. And I, I'm, you know, grateful to be able to share my story. So other people should do it too. So thanks for giving people a platform to do this in general. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I am so grateful that Owen came on this week to share his thoughts with us because I truly, truly believe that adopting perspectives and mentalities like this is what is really going to allow us to create positive change in our society. 
And this is definitely not an easy thing for anyone to talk about. So I am super appreciative of Owen being vulnerable with his own story and his own experiences with toxic masculinity and for being an advocate and using his voice in a way that benefits others. It really baffles my mind that these are actual issues in our society. Like, fuck, we have so many bigger things to worry about. And why is this one of them? I mean, as I said in the conversation, we are all humans living in this world. Why do we not all want equality and justice? And it just makes zero sense that people are ridiculed and made fun of for honestly just speaking up for genuine human rights, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, anything. I don't know where it started, why it's still here, and how it's had such a big impact on individuals living in today's world. I think that Owen did a really great job of acknowledging his privilege and building the mindset that he has. I mean, it can't be easy constantly receiving this completely unjustified and idiotic backlash from peers, teammates, any of your followers, but it really takes a true, genuine, loving human being to be able to receive that, think about it in the way that he does with his technique of analyzing his thoughts and using it as a way to better himself, both as a person and as a mental health and social justice advocate. I think that there are honestly several things that anybody can pull out of this episode, male, female, other, whatever you are listening to this. I think that everything he said about an abundance mindset and about doing things out of love and just genuinely caring about other human beings. It's weird that we even have to say this, but that is the first step to creating positive change in our world. And my ultimate goal of this podcast is to help us get in that direction. There are still lots that I have to learn and lots of people that I want to talk to to hopefully open my mind and other people's minds on different issues. Like I mentioned, I am really interested in getting a variety of guests on the show to talk about their direct experiences with whether it's racism, homophobia, whatever it may be. I really just want to normalize all of these conversations and bring awareness from multiple perspectives and identify ways that we can actually acknowledge it, address it, and move forward with it in a progressive way. I am also very aware that there was a dog barking and a dog pawing across a hardwood floor during that, so I'm really sorry. It's quite difficult to do this at home with such a big, loud family, so I apologize. And if you guys are also interested in following Owen on Instagram to see some very informative and progressive posts, he can be found at ow.ain, and be sure to support and click on to anything that he posts because it really will educate you and change your perspectives on a lot of different things. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review my show. Also, if you're not following my Instagram, please do so. I hope everyone has a great rest of their day, a great weekend whenever you're listening to this, and I will see you next Friday. (laughs) 